Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 90. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up, and I am so delighted to be in your earbuds once again. Before we jump into today's really special Bossed Up Podcast, I want to make sure you've heard that I am coming to DC this very weekend, Saturday, January 26th, and Sunday, January 27th. I'm joining our outstanding team of trainers for our first Bossed Up Bootcamp of 2019. So if you are ready to boss up with me IRL and want to hang with some incredible Bossed Up certified trainers who are there to help you get set for your best year yet, make sure to learn more and register now to join me at Bossed Up Bootcamp in DC this weekend at the link below or bossedup.org slash bootcamp. It really is the best thing I do. The first program that I ever founded that started this entire company, and it's still going strong today because of how much it works, quite frankly. It helps women carve out the time and space and gain new tools and tactics to take ownership over their lives and their future with everything from training on assertive communication and clarifying your career vision and even negotiation, which we'll talk more about today, to things like mindfulness and happiness, to evaluating the love and relationships in your life, and to really strategically planning, not only when it comes to the goals you want to achieve in your life, but also the financial obligations and plans for sustaining the kind of lifestyle you want. So register now to join me in DC and make this your best year yet. Check out the FAQ section in the Bossed Up Bootcamp registration page for flexible monthly installment plans and scholarships to help make Bossed Up Bootcamp affordable for you. I hope to see you there. Okay, today's episode is a really interesting one. I decided kind of on a whim to play around with our format for the podcast this year when I got a DM from a friend of mine, a friend I haven't talked to in a long time, but who was pretty instrumental, I have to say, in part of my getting bossed up back in the day when I was recovering from burnout myself, who is now in a situation where she's finding herself thinking about asking for a raise. I don't know if any of y'all are considering new year, new salary goals, but Aaron, my pal and a longtime Bossed Up listener, DM'd me to say, listen, I've, I've listened to all the Bossed Up podcasts you have on negotiation. I've read everything on the Bossed Up blog about negotiation, of which there are many resources, which I will link to in the show notes today for sure. But I'm stuck. And in her words, quote, I'm having the issue of basically biting the bullet and getting the courage to just go and ask. So as I responded to Erin over direct message on Instagram and started swapping resources and asking her questions, I said, wait a second, why am I doing this via Instagram? Girl, we got to hop on the phone. And girl, if we're going to hop on the phone and I'm going to troubleshoot this negotiation sort of analysis paralysis that you find yourself in, would you be willing to 
let me record this conversation. (laughs) And Aaron graciously agreed. And that's the conversation you're about to hear. It's a real-time, real-world situation that I've edited down for the sake of the podcast because we went on for a while. But that really gets at the heart of knowing what you got to do, but being stuck and not feeling perhaps worthy of making yourself and your salary negotiation a priority. I know that I've heard from a lot of women over the years that even though they have the next steps in front of them for exactly what they need to do to start that really tough conversation with their boss about getting a raise, just doing it is so terrifying that it can put you into that analysis paralysis mode where you're spinning your wheels, you're doing tons of research, you're preparing, I put in air quotes, but not practicing. So what you're going to hear on the podcast today is the exact methodology I always recommend with the individual career coach clients that I work with. But also when I give presentations on negotiation, I can't stress enough the value of practicing what you want to say out loud. So I'm hoping that in hearing Aaron gets kind of pushed by me in our conversation today, you'll be inspired to push yourself the same way. And if you are someone who's been thinking about asking for a raise, but isn't quite sure how to phrase things, and even though you've read a lot online, hasn't had a chance to practice, today's an opportunity for you to listen in on a practice session with a very real world person who's going to be putting this practice into play very soon. So again, I want to thank Erin for being willing to share her conversation with me with all of you rad listeners. And in addition to the back and forth you'll hear Erin and I go through on today's conversation, I also want to keep this conversation going. Do you have advice for Erin? She could really use it. So make sure to leave your comments in today's corresponding blog post at the bottom or on social media and I'll make sure they get to Erin. Or If you've got additional questions about any of the advice I gave to Aaron today or how you might be able to apply some of this advice to your own situation, as always, contact me on Instagram (laughs) or on social media in general at emilyaries or at boss.org and leave your questions and comments in the bottom of today's corresponding blog post and I'll always respond to them there as well. All right, let's jump into today's negotiation practice session with Aaron. Knowing how far back our relationship goes, I think is important context too, because you were part of my own little road to self-achievement in terms of cheering me on when I was training with you for my first ever half marathon, (laughs) which I actually write about in my upcoming book, because when you break something massive and seemingly impossible, like running a half marathon down into action steps, like small but still kind of challenging pieces that you do with friends, which is what we mm-hmm. did as as running buddies in DC yeah. way back in the day now. With Teddy. With Teddy, the dog is <laughs> sleeping on my lap right now. He's not running any half marathons anymore. I just remember feeling so intimidated myself at just the concept of what we were trying to do. But you encouraged me and you were like, you got this girl, you've done this before. And how many half marathons slash even bigger races have you gone on to do since back in what was that 2010 uh a lot a lot I I kind of jumped from marathon right into doing ultras (laughs) 
Which, just so I'm clear, is that a hundred mile race? Is that what that is? Yeah, fifty and a hundred. Yeah, That's so wild to me. <laughs> so all I, all I want to say is that if there's anyone for whom I owe a little encouragement, it's someone like you who encouraged Aww, me so long thanks. ago. Uh, and if there's anyone who can take a big, seemingly impossible goal and break it down, it's also you. So I'm I'm glad we could have this sort of reconnection nearly 10 years later. I know. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about your negotiation situation and where you feel stuck. So last year obviously was a big year because I had a baby, but I should preface the fact that I got hired when I was eight months pregnant, which I never ever thought would happen. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, no, I was absolutely floored when he gave me the offer and I was like, I kept going over my head, like, does he know I'm pregnant? Because I know how men can very easily not see things that are right in front of them. So I was like, did he see my big belly or not? And you hadn't discussed it. No, I never brought it up in the interview. Which, frankly, I am pro that, right? Because they can't ask you about it unless you bring it up. Yeah. And I would rather have an offer made and then discuss it during negotiation than, you know, open that can of worms. So what what kind of position was it? So it's office manager position in a law firm. And it's the first time they've ever hired for this role. So it was brand new and it's been unfolding over the past year. So it started small and then like over the course of the year and even coming into this year, just more and more responsibilities are getting thrown on me, which I love because I've implemented a lot of various things within the office that didn't exist that now exist. But anyway, so I was there for two months and then I immediately went on maternity leave Mm -hmm. for three months. So I'm stuck in this place of like, is my year actually in January or is it in March? And he's, he's talked about it before in our conversations. He's said in various passing conversations, oh yeah, I'm definitely planning to give you a raise. That's what, that was always the plan. And so I'm like, okay, should I wait for him to offer it to me or should I just go ahead and ask? Sure. Because yeah. especially with the conversations that we've just had in the new year and I've asked him about like where he wants to see this firm grow for the year. Like where do you want to be in December of 2019? You know, sure. we're starting at this point, going to be at that point there's going to be a lot of new responsibilities added to my plate. When are those responsibilities being added? Are they being added right away? Pretty quickly. I mean, like it's going to unfold. And like I got your little planner thing to help me break everything up. Yay! (laughs) For the purpose of, I've been talking to him, like I want you to tell me everything that you want to do for this year so that I can break it up into quarters so that it's more manageable. Totally. Yeah, because it doesn't seem feasible to kind of, let's do everything right now. Right. So you're asking him, your supervisor, is this the person who's hired you, by the way? Yeah, he's the owner of the firm. Okay. So the firm's owner has thrown a lot of big ideas your way Mm -hmm. and he trusts you to take them, to break them down, to manage the process, to implement the systems. Yes? Yeah. But tell me about the company writ large. How large are we talking about? What kind of law do they practice? Where do you see yourself going in this role? It's a personal injury and traffic law firm. So it's got two sides to it. He's basically wanting to grow it as big as he possibly can. I mean, we talked about what his visions were for the next five years, and he wants to Mm -hmm. open more locations. And as far as growing more positions and more people, I think we're adding a new attorney How many attorneys currently are in the office? There are seven. All right. And then there's 20 paralegals. And we're adding, I think, three more 
paralegals for the position to like grow certain smaller teams. Sure. I mean, it's definitely growing rapidly. So my question to you when we were DMing back and forth, my biggest question to you was what was holding you back? Because, you know, all signs point to go in this case, right? He's given you very clear indications that he thinks you're doing a good job. He believes in you and you've been doing your research. I think like a lot of us, I have a sneaking suspicion you might be getting stuck in analysis paralysis, which is like, (laughs) if I just keep doing research, I'll feel like I'm making progress on this. But what's holding you back from taking that first step and and communicating what you want to have happen next? I think it's a couple of reasons. One is that I feel like maybe it's too soon because I keep going back to being on maternity leave and like that took out three months that I wasn't working. So I don't know if I should wait till I'm closer to like March to ask for it or whether I should go ahead and ask for it now. The other part of it is me wanting to like prove myself and have them offer it to me to be like, you're doing an amazing job. But then I also know that, you know, if I don't say anything, they're going to keep going with what they're paying me and saving money or something like that. But on the other hand, they're hiring new paralegals. So they have the budget. Yeah. I think oftentimes, I've always done this myself too, we internalize this worthiness conversation, Mm -hmm. right? This sensation of, I kind of feel indebted to my employer. They took a chance on me. They gave Mm -hmm. me a big opportunity. I owe them for that opportunity. They were patient with me when I had a human being uh, emerge (laughs) from my body, right? Like they were understanding Mm -hmm. my need for maternity leave. And we feel this deep sense of indebtedness, right? Right. Like this is a personal sacrifice that they've made for you. So you want to make this personal sacrifice to them and show them you're committed. And I understand where that comes from. Is that part of what you might be feeling, you think? Yeah, definitely. I think the other part of it is that like we were talking today, for example, here's a prime example is that I brought up certain things that are on my to-do list as far as the process that we're trying to figure out for like employee reviews. So I was talking to him about that and my concerns as well as my ideas. And one of the things was, is that the traffic side of the office is in comparison to the personal injury side of the office is kind of imbalanced as far as giving raises to people. So people on the traffic side, if they get hired and if they're doing amazing, Christina, who is the owner on the other side of the office, will like shoot me a message and say, they're doing awesome. Give them a raise. And I'm like, okay, they've been here like five seconds. Exactly. (laughs) And then on the personal injury side, somebody who's doing amazing, she won't say that to the personal injury side. And it'll be like their year anniversary. And I'll have to remind her saying, Hey, this person's coming up on their year. Do you want to get a raise? And it just won't happen that way. So I was talking to my boss about this and how it's so imbalanced. He's like, Oh, I definitely agree. And I was kind of like, "Mm, and where do you fall on this? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it sounds to me like what's interesting here is in a lot of small businesses, and I don't want to pick on the law field in particular, but I have worked with a few law firms in my time, and there does seem to be this resistance to management theory and sort of across the board HR policies in the legal world. Mm -hmm. You know, lawyers are analytical, critical thinkers. They're not necessarily the folks who are thinking about people management and hierarchies and, and promotion pathways. But what I have seen is 
there are two schools of thought, right? They're doing a good job, aka they're of value to me and the firm. Because they have such value and they've proven such such value to us, the firm, let's show them that we value them by giving them some more cash in their pocket versus the seniority concept. The, they've been here a while. They're not doing anything terrible. If we want to keep them, we need to show them that we want to provide a pathway to progress for them. So let's throw some more cash their way so they stick around as a retention strategy. Mm -hmm. Both of those philosophies on the exchange of value have nothing to do with personally feeling indebted to somebody or with feeling like you have to sacrifice and prove yourself, which to me feels a lot more like the martyrdom mindset, this idea that I have to suffer in order to show that I can be successful or that anything worth getting is hard. And we sometimes, I think, internalize unnecessary sacrifice because at the end of the day, we're afraid of rejection. Like the other side of that, I want to show them I care because they showed me that they care, is this insecurity. It's kind of like being in a relationship in which you feel a little insecure yeah. about the other person, how, how in invested they are in you, you know, when you're like... Right. You know, I don't want to ask for too much. Like, I don't want him to have to come pick me up at the airport or have to come have lunch with my parents because then he might reject me outright and then I'll know for sure that they don't care about me. Right. So I feel like the first step for making this happen and for getting you stuck out of that analysis paralysis mode is to really depersonalize it. You've got to take yourself out of the equation here, even though it's not untrue that you are grateful for what they've done for you. But when it comes to salary, what that really represents is how much value you're bringing to the table for the company mm -hmm. and how much the company values you. Whether it's a retention strategy, if you look at it that way, or a mere exchange of value and services. And it is pretty darn clear to me that the owner of the company, the one you're working with, really values you and really looks to you as someone who's going to have a long-term impact here and is very invested in you. Mm -hmm. So the question now becomes, how does your salary as an office manager stack up against the going rate, the market rate right. of office managers in the legal field in your area? So have you done that kind of research? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's become blaringly obvious that I way underbid myself when I took the job. And part of that was because I had moved to Richmond in June of 2017. Very quickly after that, I got pregnant, but I had come with the intent, like I had a few potential offers on the table. Sure. All of them fell through, which, wow. yeah, which really sucked. Yeah. So then I was unemployed for six months while having a baby grow inside me. So I was you know, so scary. Yeah. yeah. Ter absolutely terrifying. So come December when he, when I found this job and they made me the offer, I was like, Oh my God. Yes. And, yes. you know, he asked me what my salary request was. And I guess did a very brief check on what the going rate of an office manager was and came up with 45,000. And now that I've fell under, like realized what the job has entailed and what yeah. all of it is, I've done more research on it and realized that, the going rate is like between, I think, 65 and 88,000. So sure. that's my other terrifying thought is like, yeah. you know, that would be a huge jump in pay if I were to ask for that. So I feel like it's, I don't know, I'm stuck in this. I don't know what to ask for. 
Of course. And you know what? I've totally been there. I jumped at the first job offer I got out of college. First real job offer, not the paid internship that I was stuck in for a while immediately after graduation. I said, you know, we had that sort of millennial mindset that we were told when graduating into the midst of a recession, which was you should be glad to have anything at all. And when you are in an environment of scarcity, like being six months pregnant and not and being unemployed and having jobs fall through, your mindset is going to go to that scarcity place and say, just grab whatever you can get and be grateful you have it and hold on to it for dear life. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> when we're in less of a mindset of scarcity and we're in more of a you know, sustainability mindset. We're looking to see how can we grow with this company? How can we not just survive, but how can we thrive here? Especially when you've got a little one at home who needs mama to bring home some more bacon, right? Whose family would benefit from mama getting paid market rate. Right. It becomes, how can my family thrive? And now you're stuck in this position where you've taken a survival mindset salary and now you're in a very different place in your life. Mm-hmm. The good news is lawyers understand, just like every boss understands, when it comes to retaining talent, it has more to do with the market options that people like you have when it comes to finding another job. They don't want to lose you to a $65,000 position down the street. Right. And they're going to also relate to that fact because what you just described is a fact that you are underpaid when it comes to the market value of this position, right. that you are un- being paid under market value. And in some ways, it's your own doing. So those two facts are ir- irrefutable in a lot of ways and can be used to help bolster your claim. But first, you have to really give yourself permission to be a mama bear about this, right? <laughs> to sort of think, what would I do if my best friend was in this situation? What would I do on behalf of my child in this situation? Because There's plenty of research that also shows that when we as women remove ourselves from the pool of beneficiaries for whom we're negotiating Mm -hmm. and really think instead, okay, getting $25,000 more in my pocket every year is good for my family, is good for my partner, is good for my child, is good for my community, it sets us up to kind of worry a little less about coming across as selfish and greedy and not being the good martyr that that (laughs) society tells women we have to be. Right. So that's going to be a part of getting your head in the right situation. So from my perspective, we know what we have to do. We have to have a a tough conversation, right? (laughs) And it's just anxiety inducing to figure out how do you start. So I would say the first things I would think about is who is your audience? And what is your goal? Because, you know, there's a short-term goal and there's a a bigger long-term goal. But if you were to think about, first and foremost, what is your goal, your ideal outcome of a negotiation conversation with your boss? Pie in the sky, what would leave you feeling happy in a sustainable kind of way? Um, Realistically, I mean, like knowing... And this is the tough part that I have to like face with is realistically knowing who my boss is and the attitude he holds. Yeah. Like when this conversation actually happens, I feel like it's going to be like not a big deal at all. And and I'm going to walk out of there being like, what the hell? (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, that was my second part here was knowing your audience. Because I think based on the very little that I know about your boss, I was going to guess the same thing. mm -hmm. So... Knowing that about your audience, that lowers the bar. But what's your goal? 
Aaron, like at the end of the day, knowing the market rate is 65 to 88,000 for the job you're describing, what would make you leave that room feeling like, Aaron, you did your best, you got what you and your family needed? I mean, getting what I asked for. <laughs> right. And I think we have to figure out what you're going to be asking for early on, early on in this conversation. And might I be so bold as to suggest at least $65,000? Yeah, I know no, that seems that's, pretty- that's the number that's been in my head that I can't, yeah. uh, you know, I keep going back and forth being like, well, maybe I should ask for 55. And then I'm like, well, no, no. <laughs> no, because then you're not going to be happy knowing what you know. Right. You'll exactly. be happier, but you're not going to be happy in like three to six months. So I think 65 is the number, right? Right. Which is you got to give yourself permission to set a line in the sand and say like, this is my objective in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And until that objective is met, you know, I'm going to still have a goal here. Once that objective is met, I can focus on other goals in terms of how I perform here. But really, to be sustainably successful in this position, in this environment, knowing what you know, that's got to be your number. So tell me more about your audience. Why do you think your boss is not going to freak out if you were to have a tough conversation like this with him? Because of the various things he's said in the past. Number one, he said that his plan was to always give me a raise. He never gave a timeline on that. but he did say it. So that is obviously his plan. Number two, the fact that he's also said in passing that he likes proactive people. So, you know, as opposed to sitting around and waiting, he likes people to go ahead and ask for something or just go ahead and do it. Right. Which is why I've taken an initiative on the various projects I've done, because I'm not going to sit around and say, well, what do you want me to do? Right. (laughs) I go to him with a list and I say, this is what I think we need to do. And he like looks it over and says, okay, cool. (laughs) Right. And not to mention that having a negotiation conversation is one of the most assertive kinds of communications you'll ever have. And people, as much as sometimes assertive women rub the world the wrong way or rub people the wrong way sometimes, Mm -hmm. it's pretty hard to not respect people for being assertive. And it sounds to me, and especially if I'm making a bunch of assumptions here about the kind of people who become lawyers... Lawyers respect assertive people, outspoken, unabashed, clear people Mm -hmm. who are saying, here's what we need to do. Here's why I think we should do it. And it sounds to me like you have no trouble being assertive on behalf of the company. Oh, yeah. Our office is, I'd say, 90% women. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I think there's probably, I can count the number of men on one hand in the office, So I've always been the one that's been advocating for everyone else in the office, but now it comes time for me to advocate for myself and I'm having an issue. (laughs) Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably a much deeper (laughs) conversation from a therapy podcast, but yeah. I mean, I've struggled with that my whole life. And for me, starting Bossed Up and being on this whole Bossed Up journey for the past six years has been an evaluation of why. Mm -hmm. You know, why was I sacrificing myself for other people hoping that that would make other people love me. Turns out it doesn't. You want other people to respect you, you've got to respect yourself and you've Mm -hmm. got to go to the mat for yourself just like you would go to the mat for your child, for your loved ones, for your friends. And so I think at this point, we know what you got to ask for. We know your goal. We know your audience. Mm -hmm. You've got a pretty friendly audience. You've got a lot of indicators that this audience would be receptive to this. So what's the first step? First step to me is always asking to ask. 
Mm-hmm. So what would it look like to ask your boss tomorrow morning for time on his schedule, maybe Friday afternoon when you know you'll have a weekend to recover and not look <laughs> at each other after a tough conversation? But, you know, how might you ask him for designated time on the calendar when the two of you can talk about your future in this firm? <laughs> Knowing his schedule, I usually, how we typically do meetings is because he's so hard to pin down because he's in and out of the office. He's also an entrepreneur. So he's got all these other side businesses, like a real estate firm sort of, and like all these other things. Yeah. So he's in and out of the office constantly. So I usually just go into his office. I'm like, hi, we're having a meeting. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But the one thing I would say is even though that's totally fine for most of the time, for a salary conversation or even any kind of a conversation that might make you or the other person a little nervous and want to prepare, mm-hmm. you're going to want to give them a heads up. And so gotcha. I would be prepared if you were to say, let's talk about it now. I would be prepared for that situation given the, the culture of your meetings mm-hmm. and the sort of norm that's already been set. But it, even if it's about sending him an email or popping into his office tomorrow and saying, hey, I'm really excited about the the vision we've set and the plans we have in motion for this year. There's one last thing I really want to talk with you about. Perhaps we could set some time aside on the afternoon schedule for Friday about my position here and really where you see my role growing and how I might be able to, to thrive and grow in this position over the long term. And you don't even have to say financially or compensation or all of those salary sort of triggers to denote that, hey, I want to talk about my position and I want to talk about it in a thoughtful way when we both have designated, devoted, undistracted time to do that. And by asking to ask, what you're really doing is you're setting him up to think critically about your salary, your performance, how you might improve and where he sees your position growing and Mm -hmm. to prepare him for you to ask for more money. It also gives you the chance to be thoughtful about how you prepare for that meeting and come in ready to make your case for yourself. But if he's the kind of guy who goes, you know, who operates on the fly on the regular, be ready for him to say, well, what do you want to talk about? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which means you might want to wait to have that, you know, ask to ask until you're really ready. Right. But I would not delay because the fresh start effect that's already sounds like it's taken hold in your office, mm-hmm. which we talked about on the life tracker calls, because the life tracker is really designed to help people capitalize on this. It means that people are more motivated to think big picture in January at the start of a new year. People are more motivated to think and reflect thoughtfully at the start of a new weekday, year, or month, right? Yeah. So I would really not delay, even though it hasn't been a full year if you count your maternity leave. To me, that feels arbitrary, especially given what I've heard you say about how raises are handed out in the office to other folks. Okay. So that you don't think it's too soon? I don't. I don't think anyone's counting but you. (laughs) And if they are, what's the worst thing that could happen? You ask for more money and your boss says, you know, I really was thinking about having this conversation in about a month or so. So why don't we pick it back up then? Or I was thinking about having this conversation with you on your one year mark, but you know what? You make a good point. Let's make this change now, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, There's no harm in really making your case unless you're in a position in which you think the audience, the person you're sitting in front of might find you not just over eager, but presumptive. And from what you've described, there's no evidence to 
make me believe that he would think you're being presumptive. He, like you said, he likes proactive people who take initiative. Mm -hmm. So can you imagine yourself asking to ask? Because to me, that's the first step is like asking for the time. Yeah, no, I definitely can. That to me is your first sub goal, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to break down this big, gnarly ambition, this big process. That would be your first objective to check off the list. The next would be really making your case. And this is where it's not, again, it's not personal. This is where you've got to compare your position to other market positions in the region that are comparable and think about your performance as it relates to the good of the company. So if you were to think about bullet pointing or or just sort of brainstorming and sketching out a list of the reasons why you deserve more pay as it relates to the value you bring to the company, what would those be? So many. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, one of the biggest things that I've noticed a change in is just the morale of the office. You know, I've implemented like monthly luncheons for those that are having anniversaries and birthdays. I've opened up the line of communication for people. People used to be like terrified to talk to one of the owners. And instead Mm -hmm. now they go to me. Just that line of communication and being open has really, I mean, (laughs) there was one person who was on the verge of wanting to leave just because of the other owner, not the one that I interact with, but the other owner is just very intimidating. So she was on the verge of leaving. And I very quickly implemented a, you talk to me, I relay the information to her. She talks to me, I relay the information to you. So there was that like buffer. Sure. So what I like about this is this is a really good example and the difference between how we as team members tend to look at our contributions Mm -hmm. versus how owners can look at our contributions. So you describe this as, improving the morale of the office and opening up lines of communication amongst staff members that actually helped prevent someone from quitting their job. Mm -hmm. If I'm an owner, the way that that speaks to me in terms of what I value in that is that you've just reduced turnover, Mm -hmm. right? You've increased retention amongst our staff and reduced turnover. Mm -hmm. So when describing what you're describing in that meeting, when you sit down to say, here's why I deserve a raise, I would tell the same story, right? Even a small illustration, like a very concrete story when so-and-so was about to quit, I was able to bring her back to the table. The conclusion you want to draw is, I feel like my presence here has helped reduce turnover and increase retention and employee engagement, Mm -hmm. right? Retention and employee engagement are business owner keywords for this person is helping me save money. (laughs) (laughs) So... I feel like just taking your contributions and trying to parse them through or sort of see them through the eyes of a manager or a business owner and what value they might bring to the same action is another good way to say, okay, I'm ready for this meeting. I'm ready to ask for what I want to ask for. And I'm ready to provide supporting evidence as to why I should be getting it. So that's definitely one of them. I'd also think about other systems that you've implemented to improve the way that work gets done in the office. And I'd also Mm -hmm. just go back to the aspect of being a proactive person. I know you value people who take initiative. And that's why I feel like I'm such a good fit here. I'm taking (laughs) initiative to even have this conversation, right? A, A tough conversation, but... You know, that's me aligning my actions with your values. So anytime you can speak to someone by saying, listen, I know you really care about X 
And that's exactly what I am. That's going to bolster your case. But the biggest thing is when you're asking for as big of a jump in salary as you are, is to look at the market economics of it. And almost say, hey, I just want to start this conversation off by saying how much I appreciate the opportunity here. And I'm so excited about the good work we're going to continue to do together this year. It's come to my attention through research on Glassdoor.com, on Salary.com, and in, in, in looking into comparable positions in other law firms in the area that my compensation package is not at market value. And I'm hoping that I've proven myself to be a committed contributor to the overall success of this company. And I would love to talk with you as to why you know, I feel like my salary needs an adjustment to be on market level for me to be sustainable here and making that kind of a contribution, right? Right. Tricky set of phrasing yeah. <laughs> that I just threw out there, but it's about saying market value mistakes were made, right? right? The fact of the matter is I'm not even close to what market value is here. No, that's a much better way of putting it versus so that I'm not like, stumbling over my words and and then backtracking because my fear is that I like throw out a number and I'm like misread his face of like shock or whatever. And then I start going, well, actually, you know what? It's fine. It's whatever. You can, you can just pay me whatever you want to pay me. (laughs) The biggest tool in negotiation is silence Mm -hmm. and being able to like shut yourself up. Mm-hmm. when you've said something bold. Right. Don't worry, we'll practice before this call is over. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have an opportunity to practice. I just want you to think about the conversation you're about to have is sort of like three parts. You get in the room, you sit down, you're ready to have this conversation. He says, what did you want to talk to me about? Always open with gratitude. That's going to make you feel good. It's going to make them feel good. It's also going to set the table for the next more challenging part. So gratitude comes first, and then you can do this in two ways. You can either ask the number, put the number out there, 65K, and then explain why, or you can start with why and then ask for 65K. And then importantly, and this is the hardest part, you have to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) You have to sit back, you have to stop talking, you have made your case, and you need to listen for a reaction from the person on the other side of the table. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it in three parts, open with gratitude, what might that sound like? I'm so grateful to be working here. I love this atmosphere. I love the firm. I love everything that we're doing and growing. And I'm really excited to see what else we can grow and build in the next year and coming years. Exactly. So now you're pointing a picture to the future. Pointing to a picture of the good that is coming is a great way to open your conversation with gratitude. The next part, let's say you go with gratitude, reasons why you deserve a raise, and then the 65K number. Let's say we're going to go with that order of operations here. What would it sound like to make the case around market value? Can you sort of take a stab at explaining to your boss or how you might explain to your boss, it's come to my attention that I'm not getting paid market value? Um, I mean, I like what you just said. (laughs) I know, but it's not going to come out your mouth unless you practice it now. (laughs) It's hard. After doing a bit of research, it's come to my attention that I'm not being paid market value or my salary is not what the market value reflects. Yeah. And I would say like, given the expansion of my role over the, you know, past year and given the responsibilities I've taken on, 
you know, it's come to my attention that this is not in line with market value for other firms in the area, for other comparable positions in the area. The most important thing to note here is you don't want to use a subject or even allude to any possibility of blame. Mm -hmm. So you're not saying you're not paying me market value. That's the sentence with you as the subject, right? Right. And we don't want to say... I lowballed myself and totally messed up my own salary by by not knowing the market value. It's not time to revisit blame, right? There's no need for pointing at, at whose fault this is. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to use sort of passive speech here and saying, my salary isn't, or it's come to my attention that I'm not being paid market value. And you might even want to explain or just briefly mention where you found that. Because sometimes people on the other side of the table might be thinking, really? Where'd you hear that? Because this seems totally market value to me. Mm-hmm. So if you do have sources to cite, it, it might not hurt to point them out either. Mm-hmm. So you've opened with gratitude. You set the table when it comes to market value being an issue. Then tell me a, again, in your example, like you used before, one reason why you really add value to the team. So you're still building your case here. When you go for market value, I would next go to why... You've provided such value over the past year here to the team. I mean, I've taken a huge load off of their shoulders because prior to my arrival, they were doing everything in the firm and they unloaded like half of their responsibilities into my role and then more. (laughs) Right. Now Now say just that, like I'm your boss. How would you say it to them? I think I've lightened your load a little bit as far as taking responsibilities that you were once having to take care of off your shoulders. And it's now my responsibility. I've also opened lines of communication from employees and they feel more comfortable expressing their concerns or anything that they want to have changed to me. Yeah. And that point, like you mentioned earlier, I would just, I would sort of land on and frankly, I feel like my presence here or my my participation, my my addition to the team has been good for overall retention and engagement amongst the staff. Mm-hmm. So practice practice landing somewhere with retention and engagement because those are important indicators of success in your role. How might you land there? Let's see. I think that I've A, lightened your load a little bit as far as taking responsibilities off your shoulders. And I've also been able to increase um, employer retention and engagement in the office. Yeah. And so I think one other phrase that's important to throw in or sort of sprinkle on top whenever you're making your case for a raise is the phrase above and beyond. (laughs) (laughs) Because a lot of times people say, yeah, you've lightened my load. That's what the $45,000 is for. Like, that's why we pay you. (laughs) You know, we brought you on to lighten my load. Of course, you're lightening my load. So I feel like when asking for a raise, you've got to make a case that you've gone above and beyond the call of duty, that the job description for which you were hired, you've performed that and beyond, right? So finding one way to sort of round out this triad of reasons why you deserve a raise between the market value disparity, your ability to increase retention and engagement on the team, and Hopefully, you know, I'm I'm happy to be the person who's lightening your load, who's really shouldering the office management duties that were once on the partner's shoulders and really shouldn't be, you know, sort of alluding to the fact that you're happy to do this work, but you really (laughs) feel like you've added a lot to the team over the past year above and beyond the call of duty, 
right? So practice those sentences flowing together a little bit so you can say, listen, one, two, and three. Reason one, why I deserve a raise. Reason two, why I deserve a raise. Reason three, why I deserve a raise. And that, boss, is why I'm really looking to move into the new year at a rate of $65,000 a year. What do you think about that? (laughs) And actually name your price, which is going to be the most nerve-wracking part of this conversation and the most important to anchor on so that you're really leaving them with a clear, like, what the hell are you leading up to here? Right. Right? Yeah. So let's practice just that last sentence. How might you say this to your boss? You've made your case. You've explained the reasons why you've gone above and beyond the call of duty. And that's why we're here. Like, how would you lay that out there, the 65K number? So that is why I'd like to ask you for a raise of 65,000. Yeah. That's so hard. I know. (laughs) I almost said nothing there just to make you practice feeling the uncomfortable silence there. But let it happen. Yeah. There's one good trick for this, which I always do on the phone, but it's a little harder to do when you're in person or or on a video call. Mm -hmm. But when you finish talking, take your hand and put it under your chin in a way that makes you look really thoughtful and then close your own mouth. (laughs) Like sometimes physically muzzling yourself is the only Mm -hmm. way to shut yourself up in this way. When I'm on the phone, I just bite my fist. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pitching a corporate, uh, keynote speech conference organizer who's just said, we'd love to have you open our conference. What are your going rates? And I lay this number out there. That's my current keynote rate. And then I put my fist in my mouth (gasps) and I just sort of bite down and and try not to say anything. Mm -hmm. And it is so hard, but in person, at least sort of putting your, you know, your hand on your chin and just saying, you know, even if you have to muzzle yourself, do it. Yeah. And I do think that a raise of 65K can be a little confusing because he might think you're asking for $65,000 more in pay. No. <laughs> so instead of instead of looking at the difference in what they're paying you, because honestly, sometimes your boss doesn't remember what they're paying you at, oh, yeah. ask for the annual salary you want. Don't, don't highlight the difference, with mm-hmm. what more you're asking for, but instead highlight the final landing point you're trying to get to. So I would say, that's why I'm hoping moving forward, we could agree to a compensation or a salary rate for me of 65,000. What do you think? (laughs) And then say nothing. So let's practice that line one more time because it's a really important one. So that's why I would like to ask for a compensation rate of (laughs) 65,000. Good job. I'm making you work extra hard tonight because trust me, as much as role-playing this shit is painful and boring and silly in some ways, it is the muscle memory your body will come back to when you're feeling really nervous. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I would say is it doesn't hurt to bring some notes. If you ask to ask, yeah. if you have a conversation with them tomorrow and say, hey, can we have a chat about my my position here on Friday? If you come to that meeting on Friday with some notes, it just shows that you're prepared. And you might even acknowledge that. Oh, I definitely already have a sheet where I've got bullet pointed everything that I've done. Awesome. Yeah. The next step for you, and I see this happen a lot, is to get off the page, get into practice mode. Mm -hmm. There are theatrics involved with persuasive (laughs) communication, right? Right. This is not just making your case analytically on paper, although it's great to start. Speak the words. Get comfortable with the words coming out of your mouth and the way you want them to. Because someone else could say it, 
but that doesn't mean you're going to be able to say it unless you've practiced saying it a hundred times. When mm-hmm. I put Brad through interview prep for his like dream job, <laughs> he was like ready to kill me because we were rehearsing for like hours, pretending that I was his interviewer on the phone, him really workshopping the way he wanted his answers to come across. And then when mm-hmm. it was go time, he felt so prepared. It's kind of like you practice your own lines. So how do you feel now having talked all of that through? I feel a lot better. Just having the right verbiage to say helps a lot because yeah. I think that's also where I was getting hung up is, you know, not knowing a, how much to ask for and then just how to go about doing it. Yeah, totally. I think the verbiage is the trickiest part because a lot of us try to look it up. We try to Google our way to a solution instead of workshopping it with ourselves, practice aloud. You would be shocked how much time I spend talking to myself out loud (laughs) in a hotel room, preparing for a big presentation or in my own home office, preparing for a podcast. Like talking it out is the only way to practice you know, you've got to practice how you want to play. There's research showing that if you're preparing for a written exam, the best way to study is to write. If you're preparing mm-hmm. for what is essentially an oral exam here, you got to <laughs> practice out loud. So the last thing to think about is gauging his response. So let's say you make your case. You put 65 out there. Let's say you get a negative response. Let's just say for an example, I don't anticipate this happening because it's pretty darn rare, but your boss says, well, I thought you were happy here. You know, practice what you're going to say, how you're going to respond to say, oh, don't get me wrong. I'm really happy here. I'm looking towards the future. I'm looking at how I can grow with the firm as the firm grows. I'm proud of what we're doing here. And I want to be proud of of my progress too, right? Mm -hmm. And, And sort of putting yourself and your boss on the same team. Whenever there feels like a wall is coming up between you, say, listen, I know you care about proactive people and I'm trying to be as proactive about this as possible. I know we both value people who get things done and that's why I'm excited to be part of the team here. Mm-hmm. So always bring it back to the collective we, if you can, especially when things start to feel a little tense. Yeah. But if he comes back and says, we can give you 55, you have to be ready to say whatever you want to say in that position. You're not going right. to quit on the spot, but you might say, sure, I'll take it, but I'd really like to be landing at 65 before the year's out. Do you think that's possible? Mm. You know? Yeah. So talk through timelines. Whenever you're not getting the number you want in terms of salary, figure out the number of months until you can revisit the conversation and put that question back on them. Okay. Cool? Yeah. <laughs> All right. How are you going to get your head in the game before this kind of thing? You're going to power pose. You're going to do a big run or something. Like, I feel like there's a physiology to this too, where you've <laughs> just got to rip off the dang bandaid and remember what you're going to tell yourself going in, which is you're really not Aaron, just doing this on behalf of you. Although you deserve it alone, you <laughs> alone as a human being. Mm-hmm. But when you go into this conversation, remind yourself who you're really fighting for besides you right? Mm-hmm. What would it mean for your family to have 20K more in the bank this year? Oh, man. Like, that's, what you're, <laughs> that's what you're going in for. I hope everything goes incredibly well. Keep me posted on how it turns out. We want to know. I will, for sure. <laughs> and we're going to leave it at that today, bosses. I hope that you're able to glean something from today's conversation. I'd love to hear what your biggest takeaway was. So make sure to leave a comment on today's corresponding blog post, which I've linked to in the show notes. And if you want to find more resources like my most popular YouTube video ever on how to dodge the mid-interview salary question or negotiation best practices around negotiating a new job offer, not just an existing 
raise, there's tons more resources on the Bossed Up blog all about negotiation from both me and other members of our incredible trainer team like Maggie Germano, a financial advisor, who you can learn from via the links in today's show notes. So I'd love to hear from you. Tag me on social media at Emily Aries or at Bossed Up Org. And let me know what you think about today's episode. Was this helpful? If so, maybe the next person who calls into the Bossed Up hotline will get a call from me asking them to have the same kind of conversation. That number, again, for Bossed Up Career Conundrums and Boss Moves of the Week is 910-668-BOSS or 2677. And speaking of, we're going to close out today's show with this week's Boss Move Moment of the Week. Hi, Emily. This is Bethany from Waco, Texas. Uh, and you recently unpacked my career conundrum on your episode, Exploring Sexism and Ageism. Um, I just wanted to thank you again for taking the time to address my question on the podcast and to give you some encouragement. I really needed it. I also wanted to give you a little update on the boss moves that I am doing now. I am currently training for my first Ironman this April. And this summer, I've been selected to join a group of cyclists. And we're going to ride from Baltimore to San Francisco for the Ullman Foundation, which is a foundation that centers around giving financial help to young adults with cancer. It's going to be about 4,500 miles of riding. And along the route, we're going to be doing things like stopping at hospitals and volunteering our time and giving out scholarships to young people with cancer. So it's going to be a really amazing summer. And I did want to let you know that I am raising some money for those said scholarships that I mentioned earlier. I'm hoping to give out at least $4,500 this summer, so a dollar for every mile. And if you or anybody in the Boss Up community is interested in sharing my project or donating to the fundraiser page, what could be a better cause than scholarships for young people with cancer? Bethany, thanks so much for calling in with this Boss Move, woman. I love hearing a career conundrum caller call us back with a Boss Move. It's like the most satisfying (laughs) turn of events. I'm so glad to hear you enjoyed the episode inspired by your excellent career conundrum, all about when ageism sort of intersects with sexism, which is a great episode to check out. If you haven't heard it already, I'll drop the link in the show notes to episode 78 featuring a total spitfire, Ashton Applewhite. (laughs) And Bethany, congratulations on the big ambitions and the big audacious physical goals that you're striving towards this year and how you've made them an opportunity to raise funds for a great cause. If you'd like to contribute to Bethany's fundraiser, even like she said, a few dollars can make a huge difference if we come together to raise money for scholarships for patients in need make sure to click the link below in today's show notes where you can find out more about Bethany's upcoming cross-country cycle and contribute to the greater impact that we have as the Bossed Up community. Bethany, thanks again for calling in. And frankly, you're inspiring me to find more creative ways to up my impact this year. And maybe I'll stand up for a race myself. I don't know. You're giving me all the training vibes that I haven't had in a while. So as I always say, thanks for calling in with your boss move. You never know who you're inspiring to do something similar when you share your audacious ambitions and the big boss moves you're making. So if you've got a boss move to share or a career conundrum you want us to tackle next on the podcast, make sure to give my hotline a ring right now at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. Keep Boston in pursuit of your purpose and together we will lift as we climb.
let's face it, speaking up at work can be really hard to do, especially for women and women of color. When the stakes are high and you've already worked so hard to just be the only woman in the room and you want to get everything right, you want to have all your facts and figures accurate before making your voice heard, it's just so much easier to stay silent instead. Researcher Deb Chahansky calls this loss of voice phenomenon. And it actually emerges in adolescent women at greater rates than men. And it sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Self-silencing behavior can actually become an unconscious habit unless we consciously engage in practicing our assertive communication skills. And we here at Bossed Up have set out to help women like you do just that. Speak Up, my live assertive communication course is back open for enrollment, and we're kicking off a new cohort launching this June. Over the course of eight life-changing weeks, you'll have access to interactive online curriculum and live weekly practice sessions where you, Irene and I, and a cohort of fellow Speak Up bosses who are owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossedup.org speakup. That's bossedup.org speakup.